Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. One of the foundations of our faith is that one is justified not by works, but by faith. The Apostle Paul made that very clear in several different epistles, that it's not by works of the law, good deeds, that one finds favor in the forgiveness of sins from God, but rather it's by faith as the Torah teaches. And when I say the Torah, I'm specifically speaking about the passage of Scripture that Paul utilized when he says, Abraham believed in God, and it was accounted to him, credited to him for righteousness. Now, we're going to look at that same passage, but from a different author. We're going to see that a man by the name of Yaakov, that is James, that he used this same verse, but people read this, and sometimes they feel that Yaakov has a different understanding, a different theology. And we know that this is not the case. So as we study this second part of chapter 2 from the epistle, most English Bibles say James, but literally his name was Yaakov or Jacob. And in the second part of chapter 2, he speaks about faith in a proper way. Now, I want you to be sure that we are agreeing with one another, and that is that you understand what I'm saying. And the scripture is pointing out, and James is doing this, that faith, if it's within us, if we truly have a biblical faith, that faith is going to be active in our life, and it will produce deeds, good deeds, works. It is not the works that save us. It is salvation by faith and faith alone. But true saving faith, given the opportunity, will work in a person's life. Now, we all know about the thief on the cross next to Yeshua. And Yeshua, once this one repented, and put his faith in Yeshua, Yeshua proclaimed, Truly I say to you that today you will be with me in paradise. And this man obviously upon the cross could do no works, but that pro profession of faith, that statement that he made, was sufficient to justify him, to justify him eternally. So it's by faith, what we believe that one is saved, one will enter into the kingdom of God. But what Yaakov is emphasizing is that true faith will indeed, if given the opportunity, will indeed 
produce justification, salvation, everlasting life, life in the kingdom of God. So take out your Bible and look with me to just where we left off last week. The book of James, also known as Yaakov, chapter 2, and we're going to begin in verse 14. And one of the key words to help us understand foundationally what James is emphasizing is what we see initially in verse 14 where it says, My brethren, what profit? And this gives us a framework, a right perspective for understanding what Yaakov is emphasizing, what he wants to teach. He is not in any way disagreeing that faith saves, but he wants to show us, teach us, reveal to people that biblical faith, given the opportunity, which is if allowed time, faith with time, will produce works. There'll be evidence of that faith, that saving faith. And the works are not an instrument or a means of salvation, but the works confirm that that faith is genuine. So it's very important that someone understands this. It's by faith one is saved, not of works, lest anyone boasts, but it's the works that provides the evidence that one has a true saving faith. So look with me, as I said, to verse 14, where he speaks, what profit my brothers, and of course this includes women as well, brothers and sisters. He's talking about the believers within the, the faith. He says, what profit my brothers, if someone should say, he has faith, but works he does not have. So remember the introduction. What's the profit? That's what he's looking at. And here, profit is something that's measurable, something that can be seen, something that can be experienced. When someone says, I have faith, they may have faith, but there's no profit to the community, to others unless that faith works, produces something. And we know something, going back to the book of Genesis and that call of Abraham in that covenant, we see that Abraham believed. And what was he believing? In this call that God said to him, that you will become a great nation. And in you and that seed all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abraham had faith in this, and therefore that faith would serve to be a blessing to others. It is not doing or being a blessing that saves someone, it is faith. But that faith is going to produce blessings in the life of other people. That's what this scripture and other passages are saying to us. So he asked the question, if certain one, someone, should say that he has faith, but works he does not have, we find that, that that faith is not able to save him. 
So if the faith that he proclaims, when allowed to function, it does not, then that faith that he proclaimed wasn't a saving faith. If that faith is powerless in a person's life, it does not bring about a change. And what change we're talking about? Well, the scripture says, if anyone is in the Messiah, he becomes a new creation. The old things, those old things belong to this world. They are of this world, this world of darkness and sin. So the old things are sinful activity. They pass away. Behold, all things are new. The word new is a kingdom word. Therefore, there's going to be king, kingdom activity in his life. And that kingdom activity, we can sum it up with one word, righteous. He is going to, as Messiah said, seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. So faith produces righteousness. It is not the production of righteousness that saves us, but confirms, gives evidence. It's the profit of our salvation to others, meaning others should profit by our salvation experience. We are a new creation. We have been regenerated, born again. We belong to the kingdom, and that fact is going to produce changes, righteous changes in our life. So this is what he means here when he says that faith, such faith without works, is not able to save him. If that faith doesn't work, it's not a saving's faith. Look now to verse 15. He says, but if a brother or sister being naked ones, meaning having no clothes. Now, here, many times I point out that, that garments can reflect works. When it says that, that the bride of Messiah has clothed herself with, with, with beautiful garments, righteous garments, and it says these garments are the righteous deeds of the saints. But here we're not speaking about being naked, in a shameful way, oftentimes nakedness is just indeed to express shame, guilt before God. But here, and this is vital for us understanding the context of this passage, he's speaking about one who is so poor, so destitute, that they have no clothes. So if there's a brother or sister, and, and this one, is without garments, they are naked, he asks a question, or being lacking of their daily food. So imagine this, there's an individual, and they are naked, they are so poor that they have no clothes whatsoever. Secondly, they are hungry because they lack the daily food allotment. They have nothing. And the faithful one, notice the context, he says here, but uh, if, look now at verse 16, but if a certain one from you, meaning from the believing community, should say, go away in peace, be warm and be satisfied, but does not give to them the needs of the body, he says again, what is the profit? And there is none. Simply because one says empty words, be, be warm and be filled, meaning being satisfied. That proclamation 
those words are empty. It doesn't change the reality for those two people who have no clothes and have no food. So this is what he's saying. It is not enough just to speak. It has to be a word that produces. Now, when I say produce, given time, given the opportunity, you will see the evidence of faith. It will produce something. And if that faith never, ever, ever produces, never brings change, then that's not a savings faith. Just because that person proclaimed it, it's empty words. And this is what he's saying here. When the one says, uh, be, be in peace and be satisfied and doesn't do anything, it's empty words. There's no profit. Verse 17. Thus also faith is if it does not have works, it is dead by itself. So faith, it's a dead faith without works. Do those works save us? No. Do those works, are they part of the salvation experience? They are not. Those works are not instruments that justifies a person before God, but those works justify the individual's faith. Did you hear the difference? Those work justifies, meaning they show that the faith is acceptable. Now, this is what is the distinction that needs to be understood and, and received. The works, they justify the person that he has a true faith. But those works are not part of justifying the person before God. Faith does that. It's the work of Messiah, not our works that justify us. But our works manifest. It gives credence, evidence to the fact that we have a saving faith, a genuine faith. So look again at verse 17. He says, thus also faith. If it should not have works, it is dead by itself. Verse 18. But a certain one should say, You have faith, also I have works. Show to me your faith apart without your works. Can you do that? You cannot show. Here again, he's talking about evidence, manifesting faith, that it's genuine. He says, And I... I will show to you my works. How? Of my works. It says, I will show to you my faith. So this verse makes it very clear what he's saying. That works manifest a real faith. Works, it is not faith plus works that justify that safe. It's faith alone. But to test, to show, to manifest, to give evidence that one has faith, those works are going to confirm that. It is going to be the evidence, the proof that one has a saving faith. That's what he's trying to convey to the reader in this passage. Now, verse 19. You say that there is one God. Now, remember who he's speaking to. He's speaking here to those 12 tribes in the diaspora, 
in what we call in Hebrew galut, outside of Israel. He's speaking to them and presumably a believing remnant of those. He is wanting to, to share the truth and to strengthen those who are believers. That's the purpose of Yaakov in this, this epistle, to reveal and to certify what is true faith in Messiah Yeshua. And therefore, he does something that, that certainly the Jewish community would understand when he says, look again at verse 19. You say that God is one. Now, what is he referring to? That famous statement, Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Now, someone says, I believe that. They have faith. Well, not a saving faith. He says, notice, he says, good. You do good. If you believe God is one, you are doing good. Well done. But, and now notice what he says. Also, the demons believe, meaning the demons believe, they know that God is one. And just believing that God exists, that there's only one true God, that is not enough to save. He goes on to say, the demons believe and they shudder, they shake, they are, are moved to fear of this. Now, their response to this, this reality that God is one and he's a holy, righteous God, their response is to rebel. But notice, the fact that they believe in God produces something. It produces the fact that God is they shudder, they shake, and it manifests itself with what? Rebelliousness. That's what the demons do. They are rebelling constantly. So, so their faith, so to speak, what they believe, did not save them. It is not a savings faith. It is a faith that manifests rebelliousness. And many people, they say that they believe, but when you look at their life, their life manifests sin, not the truth of God. They're walking in rebelliousness. And that's why many times people will, will say, well, Baruch, you're being judgmental. Because a person will say, oh, I believe in, in Jesus Christ. Wonderful. And then they say, you know, but there's many ways into the kingdom of God. And, and I don't believe this about the Bible, and I don't believe that about the Bible, and I don't think it's necessary to, to change the way a, a person wants to live. Well, when I hear that, I will say that that person is not a true believer. That person, by their words, by their actions, what they support, these individuals are, are false teachers. They are not true disciples of Messiah. And it's not being judgmental, it's simply showing, based upon their own statements, that what they say is their faith is not a genuine, it's not a biblically rooted, grounded, established faith. Therefore, they are not saved. And in that same way, he's saying that, that the demons, they, they believe things, but they do not have works of righteousness. And for a true believer, that faith, it is powerful. It is going to bring the Spirit of God 
into a one's life, and therefore the Spirit of God, what is he going to do? What he always does. He produces order, godly order. And that order is going to be doing that which is right in God's eyes, therefore it's going to produce righteousness. The demons don't do that, and that's why he says, just believing that God is, that God's one, is not enough. Verse, verse 20. But do you want to know, O foolish man? Now, he says this expression, O foolish man, and if you look and do a good job of studying the words, this word for foolish is really the word for empty. This one is empty of the truth of the revelation of God. And therefore, because of that, his life is not producing that which is right in the eyes of God. His faith is not working. So he says, verse 20, Do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? And now he's going to give an example. And this example is simply going to clarify and certify what we've just said. And that is the purpose of the works is to show, is to show the genuine faith. And that genuine faith will produce works, works of righteousness, good works. There's not a situation if a person has time here again, remember the example. Someone is, is on their deathbed and they make a sincere and accurate statement of faith. I believe in Yeshua, that he died upon the cross for my sins. That he died there, he was buried, but on the third day he rose again. And I believe in this resurrection, this victory over sin and death that he won. And therefore I confess my sins. And I believe that through his blood I am redeemed. My sins are forgiven. I accept him. And moments after saying this proclamation of faith in the gospel, in Messiah, what happens? This one dies. Now, they didn't have an opportunity to do any works, but they had a genuine faith. And had they had opportunity, that faith would manifest itself. But it's not the manifestation, it's not the works that are necessary for salvation. It's a genuine faith. But again, that genuine faith is going to manifest itself in works. And we have a great example of that in Abraham. Look now to verse 21. Our father Abraham, a very Jewish way of speaking about Abraham. Consistently, we speak about Abraham Avinu, our father Abraham. And it says, our father Abraham, not by works of the law, he was justified. Now it's asking a question. Was it not, we could say, that Abraham, by works of the law, was justified? And what is he referring to? Well, he's going to show how that, that works. What type of works? Works in regard to the instructions of God. So let me read this correctly. Our father Abraham, was it not by works, works that he was justified? And what is saying here? His faith was justified. His faith was made evidence. How? 
he offered Isaac, his son, upon the altar. So what we're seeing is how Abraham, his faith, when it says in that famous passage, and we'll come to it, Abraham believed in God and was accounted to him as righteousness. That faith, because it was genuine, it produced an outcome. And what was that outcome? It was him offering up his son, his only son, Yitzchak. Now, even though Yishmael was alive, God did not recognize Yishmael. He only recognized Isaac in regard to his purpose and his plan. And therefore, it was a great act of faith that Abraham obeyed, and faith leads to obedience, that Abraham obeyed, and as it says here, he offered up Isaac, his son, upon the altar. Verse 22. See? Now he's showing that this is a perfect example that, that gives us the right understanding of what Yaakov is speaking about. Verse 22. Do you see that faith together with his works? Also, from the works, faith is made perfect. Faith, and this word for being made perfect, can also mean brought to the end. Now, what's he saying? He's looking at this not from solely a salvation point of view. He's looking at it from a broader point of view. And that is that faith, it is going to work and bring something to its conclusion. And faith in my life will change my life. And this changed life will be brought under the submissive will of God in order to produce that will of God. So I'm going to submit to his will. And by submitting to his will, there's going to be evidence, there's going to be works, there's going to be activity. That's the end of faith. Faith produces works. That's the end result of faith. Now, do those works save us? No, he's not saying that. This is all about certifying a saving faith. And he's not saying that works are necessary for salvation, but having been saved by faith, works will accompany, they will give evidence, they will justify, meaning this, they will manifest as proper. When someone is justified, what it's saying, they go before the, the court, and the judge says, what you've done is not against the law. What you've done is according to the law. And in that same way that, that the judge justifies his proclamation, justifies this one, justifies that action. And what it's saying here is that these deeds justify our, our faith, that this one's faith is real, that it's accurate, that it's, it's proper. So he says again, look, verse 22, do you see that faith works together with, with works? So faith works together with works. And from works, the faith is made complete, made perfect, arrive at its end. Verse 23. The scripture also being fulfilled, which says, and here's this verse that I've referred to many times. But 
Abraham believed in God and it was credited to him as righteousness. So now he's saying this verse doesn't say anything about works, does it? Abraham believed in God and it was accounted to him, accredited to him for righteousness. So faith leads to righteousness and it's those works of righteousness that confirms that our faith is a God-pleasing faith. It's a genuine faith. It also says, and a friend of God, he was called. Where is that? Well, most scholars believe that there's a passage in Isaiah. I'll give you the citation. Isaiah chapter 41 and verse 8. There it speaks about Abraham being a friend of God. But what's interesting, if you look carefully, it just doesn't say Abraham. It says the seed of Abraham. Now, we have something. If the seed of Abraham is a friend of God, Abraham is as well. But the evidence of, of this passage is, is pointing to the believing community. That by faith, we become a friend. And the word here for friend in the original language, back in Isaiah 41 in the Hebrew, is a word for one who is loved by God. So we find that it is faith, this genuine faith, that, that causes us to become a recipient of God's love. This is a huge statement. Because many people... They, they ask the question, does God love me? And the answer is yes, God loves everyone. Therefore, they conclude incorrectly. Well, if God loves me, he's, he's going to save me. He's going to forgive me. He'll be gracious to me, and I'll be in his kingdom. No, that is not a proper conclusion. The question that you have to answer is this. Are you going to be a recipient of God's love. Are you going to be his friend? And the only way to become his friend is what it says here, to have a genuine faith specifically in God's covenantal work that reached its climax in regard to salvation at the cross. So once again, look if you would to verse 23, he says, the scriptures also being fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed in God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And a friend of God, he was called. Verse 24. Do you see, therefore, and this is coming to the conclusion, not only of this chapter and our lesson, but of what Yaakov wants to, to get across in this section of his epistle. So he says, do you not see, therefore, that from works a man is justified. What's he talking about? Through works? That one is justified in the sense that it's works that, that causes him to enter into the kingdom of God? No. What he's speaking about here is, don't you see that through works that a man, and the implication is, remember the context, Abraham believed in God. So he's saying simply this, don't you see that it's through works that a man's faith is justified, meaning that it's pronounced as a genuine, a biblically sound, a God-pleasing faith, a faith that justifies. 
This is what he's saying. He's not changing and saying, oh, by works, one is made right with God, so you have to do enough works. Here's the problem. If that was the case, you have to ask the question, well, how much works are enough? What amount? I don't know any verse that says that. And you have others that, that, that take a wrong approach that's a balancing. If I have more good works than bad works, then I have a credit and I'll be in heaven. Nowhere is the word of God speaks to anything remotely to this. And if it's based upon, well, the longer you live, the more good works you should have. So if, and this is the false teaching, if it's a certain number of works because works that justify me, therefore if it's a certain number, that number's going to change the longer I live. So a person can be, okay, you have that number, you're fine today. But six months later, I fall short of that number because it changes with time. And therefore, I'm saved one day, unsaved the next, saved again, unsaved again. There's no assurance. There's nothing that the scripture says that would speak to such a ridiculous view. So all he's saying here is this that our works justify our faith. Our works confirm that we are believers. Again, verse 24, you see, therefore, that from or by works a man is justified and not by just faith alone, meaning this. Yeah, I believe. I, I have faith. I, I believe it, it, in Yeshua. Literally last night, I'm watching a religious show on television here in Israel. It is an American network that is broadcast here as well. And the one who was teaching shared a so-called gospel presentation. But it wasn't a saving presentation. What do I mean by that? No repentance, no confession of sin. All it was is, do you want a a powerful change in your life? Do you want the blessings of God? Do you want the goodness of God to assist you, to help you, to bless you in those times of trouble? Do you want God to be there for you to achieve your destiny? If you do, invite Messiah into your life. That's not a gospel presentation. That is nothing connected to what one must believe to have a genuine faith. And that's why he's saying here that, that faith, just saying, I believe, just like the demons say, I believe in God. That does not justify someone. That's what he's talking about. Verse, verse 25. Now, verse 25 is going to give a wonderful evidence of a true faith. And we're dealing with a person who was, was, was heaped up in sin. And I'm talking about, and we can go back to the book of Joshua, speaking about Rahab, Rahab the harlot. Now, some of the rabbis will say that this word for, for harlot back in, in the book of Joshua simply may mean a, a innkeeper. This is not the case. Why? Well, here we have a word that clearly, look at verse 25, but likewise or similarly also Rahab, and now we have the word for prostitute, the evil one, the harlot. So it's clear that, that we shouldn't just think of her as an innkeeper, but a woman of, of unrighteousness, of that which God sees as evil, 
But notice what it says. But likewise also Rahab the harlot. It says, not from works of the law she was justified. Now here again, I keep putting in works of the law, but the law didn't even, well, it did exist at that time, but let me just simply say, not by works she was justified. And it's asking a question. Is, is that what we believe? That her faith was not confirmed by, by nothing? Just his word, her word stood alone? No, we see something different. What was she justified? Mean what confirmed that she was part of not the the men and women of Jericho, but that she wanted to be part of this new nation, the nation of Israel? Notice what it says. But similarly, or likewise, also Rahab the harlot, was it not by works works that she was justified? And what works? What well, says? She welcoming the, the messengers, these two men that, that Joshua sent. She welcomed them, and not only that, when she had to choose between being loyal to her people or being loyal to the people of God, what did she do? She chose wisely. She chose faithfully because she sent these two, two messengers. It says, and, and by a, another way, a different way, an other way, she, she cast them out. She sent them. So now we see evidence to support that proclamation. So all Yaakov, that is James, is saying is that over and over in the scripture, when someone has an accurate biblical faith, that faith manifests itself out in in measurable deeds, in evidence that can be seen and documented. Are we saved by that documentation? No, it's faith that saves us. But the works document, they give evidence of our faith. Verse 26, the last verse, and we'll conclude. He says, just as for, just as the body without the spirit is death. Very important definition for death. Death is when the soul, that spirit within, departs from the body. So he says, just as, for just as the body without the spirit is dead, thus also faith without works is dead. So this really clarifies it because he says, what I'm speaking about is a faith that is not a living faith, an active faith, a working faith, but a faith in only words alone that has no sincerity with them, no genuineness. That type of faith doesn't save. But the faith that does save, it's faith alone that saves. But such a faith will always, given time, if I have another day to live, another two days to live, that faith is going to impact my behavior. Is it my behavior that saves me? No, it's that faith that gives evidence that justifies or those works that justifies one's faith as genuine. So this is what he's saying. He's not arguing with the Apostle Paul. It is by faith, not works, that one is justified before God, forgiven of sin and has that, that promise to enter into the kingdom of God by faith alone.
But faith is justified, it is confirmed by works that it's genuine. That's all he's saying. And those that say, oh, I believe, but there's no evidence of that for years. I know an individual, he claims to be a believer, claims to accepted the Lord in Sunday school when he was a young boy, and now he's, he's in his mid-70s. And does he ever read the Bible? No, he's not. It's hard to understand, he says. It's an old book. I like to read, he says, something that's more recent. And does he ever worship God? Never goes to any assembly of worship. The Bible says, do not forsake the assembly of ourselves together. Now, he doesn't go now. Didn't go in the past. And his, his thoughts are that he's not going in the future. But what does he say? Oh, I'll be in heaven because I believe. And I'll be in heaven. What does he think he's going to be doing there? Worshiping God? Does he worship him now? No. Is he interested in doing so? No. He is lying to himself. What he thinks he believes is not a biblical faith. And the fact that there's an absence of works confirms that. So this is what Yaakov is teaching in this passage. I'll close with that until next week when we begin chapter 3. May God bless you. Shalom from Israel. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. <laughs>